0: Hi, this is stunt performer Rick English, and I've been in lots of spy movies. Today I'm going to be talking with Dan and Tom at spymovienavigator.com on their show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies.
1: Thank you so <laughs> much for being on our show. Yeah, thanks for,
0: thanks for asking me.
2: We know that stunt people are key to making the action sequences work in movies, especially spy movies. Rick, we're honored to have you on our show today. You're a legend in the stunt world, and we're looking forward to this conversation. We know that any spy movie fan out there has seen your work, for sure. (laughs) If you're watching the video of this on our YouTube channel, we'll be dropping in clips of the scenes that we talk about today. But to start us off, Rick, give us a little teaser of some of the movies you've performed in. We'll go through this in more detail in our discussion, but... Just give us a little high-level
0: view. No, I've been fortunate enough. I've been doing this for twenty years now, and uh, or a bit longer actually. Uh, and I've been in in some of the, uh, the most famous kind of spy franchise and stuff. You know, the Jason Bourne stuff, the and the James Bond um, franchise, and then other kind of movies that have got individual uh, elements of them. Because the, the genre is is very much, you know. It, is very much open to to having a lot of kind of stunt work and a lot of action in there, you know. So uh, I've been fortunate. That I've worked on a lot of this. You've
2: been in two Kingsman movies, also, oh, yeah. right? And yeah,
0: yeah. And on the Bond awesome.
2: side, you were in No Time to Die, Spectre, Casino Royale, Skyfall, yeah, right, and yeah. then Mission
0: Impossible, right yeah, mission, fallout. yeah and, uh, done a couple of the mission impossible um movies again the, those are always fun you know they're built around the action almost they come up with all these fantastic sequences and these massive stunts in there and then uh and then everything else kind of falls into place around that so always great to be involved with that stuff you know you're gonna you know be involved in some kind of groundbreaking action with that that genre yeah,
1: they're they're action movies with a spy movie wrapped around it instead of the yeah, other yeah exactly. <laughs> that's how it's exactly. going now yeah yeah now, you also did Black Widow and the yeah. Five and Red Sparrow as re- well, right? Yeah. My guess is if you're a spy movie fan, you have not seen a movie in the last 10 years that, Rick, you haven't been in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe only, true. I'll in some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah to varying kind of degrees some of those uh some of those movies that you mentioned you know I've been lucky enough to be on the whole way through and to be doubling one of the actors and be involved in some of the big action sequences other times we'll just get brought in to do certain sequences you know a certain driving sequence riding sequence or where a lot of guys are getting blown up and that kind of thing but um but yeah I'm happy to be involved with you know any kind of spy movies that I, I like I like the whole thing of guns and fights and explosions and yeah. wires and uh you know vehicles and crashing and and all that stuff. You know you're gonna get a lot of that stuff with the with that kind of movies. So yeah. Always always grateful for the call for those. Yeah. I mean that's the exciting part,
2: especially the doubling on the actor's part. I mean, really. I most again, most of the enticing parts of the movie, like you said in trailers and so on. You you see all the action sequences and so on, and that's the part that draws people in. And the that's the part that most viewers love and they talk about that's what they're talking about. The crazy stunts that occur, and especially in our spy movies, of course, there's a zillion yeah. of them, we just said, and the reality yeah. is, of course, most of the time it's not the superstar actors doing them. I mean, we know Tom Cruise does some stuff, oh, but yeah. generally it's these stunt performers like you who make the movie memorable, so it's
0: pretty yeah, darn good. It's, um... It's kind of getting getting blurred a little bit now because of the technology and the way they can kind of you know in, in, integrate the actors um, likenesses into 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 our kind of movements and stuff as well. And there's there's very clever kind of blending between actors and stunt doubles that enables them. It's not in, like in the old days where you used to have to hide the stunt performer's face the whole time. You know, I remember when we did I, I was getting told to turn into camera because we want to see Colin's face. And so then when, when you watch the movie, you know, it's Colin's face sometime. And um, a lot of the times we don't know myself. I don't know who did, who did what, when it comes to the final edit and, uh, and the oh, actor. Wow. likewise, you know, we both end up doing a lot of stuff and then the final product is like a blend, a blend of the two. And, uh, but, but yeah, it, it it is true. A lot of people don't realize how, how much involvement the stunt department has in uh in these sequences you know i think they yeah. we, we just uh we just come in on on the day and like fall over a little bit or put together a fight <laughs> in reality this stuff starts months before the movie even you know turns a camera so uh yeah it, it's good being involved in that that whole process for me yeah we're going to talk about that a little bit later too about the, the whole
2: process and so on but really our first question is how the heck did you get into stunt performing and and did you know oh yeah this is what i want to do
0: that's a a good question actually it's one of those things where when you're a kid if you say to your teacher at school that you want to be a stunt performer that's like saying you want to be a spaceman or like a you know a (laughs) pilot or whatever you know it's not really a kind of valid career path that they would steer you towards and so um but i found um i was at my parents house uh a couple of months ago and I found an old book from when I was like seven years old, six, seven years old. And I'd written in there, when I grow up, I want to be a stunt performer. And this is what I, you know, given into my, uh, no my school. <laughs> I think I said stunt man, obviously. We were we yeah. called stuntman back in those days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, and but it was one of those things that then kind of got lost um, in the whole growing up and, and everything. I was always into sports and into, uh, you know, motorcycles and stuff. My dad was into motorcycles and mm-hmm. um, I was watching shows. We had a lot of cool shows when I was growing up in, in like the sort of late 80s and stuff with, um you know, the fall guy and the A-team and all these kind of shows. Oh, yeah. And I was uh, watching a movie called Hooper with Burt mm-hmm. Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he plays obviously a a stunt guy in it, and I just thought that is the cool. I mean, it, when I was growing up, Burt Reynolds was like my hero. Anyway, any anything with Burt Reynolds in, um, for me was like a great a great movie. Um, to watch. I grew up watching that, and uh, and I loved Burt Reynolds, and so then that one movie really kind of hit home that that would be a, a cool lifestyle and a cool thing to get into and so I kind of decided when I was young that that was what I wanted to do I got into it eventually through martial arts I was doing martial arts from the age of about seven and stuff and then continued with that and decided I wanted to do fighting for movies I thought I was going to be like the new Jean-Claude Van Damme rather than be a stunt guy I thought <laughs> yeah. I was star of yeah. the movie and uh yeah. I was going to move down to London and uh you know make my my fortune you know fighting in movies and uh so I moved down to London when I was so about 20, 20, 21. And then was working in gyms as a personal trainer and martial arts instructor and everything. And and started training some guys. I was working in the West End of London, actually. We used to get a lot of actors and directors and people from, from that kind of business um, coming in. And I started doing little bits of fighting and stuff for their movies. Then decided, of course, this is what I want to do for a living. So I, I started training and I got onto the British Stunt Register, which is the association yes. in the UK. Then that was, you know, 24 years ago, I, I got accepted onto the British Stunt Register.
2: You mentioned martial arts there, Vic. And martial arts, if you're into it and you were, you were training people with it so that teaches you a lot about your body movement and falling and falling properly and everything else i i, I had a jujitsu green belt and jujitsu and so on and one of the best things you, you learn how to do is fall and oh, yeah. so you didn't get hurt so that had to help you tremendously right
0: yeah i mean i i, I trained more in like the striking arts. so i started with traditional kind of um, white suit uh, stuff karate like um um, Shota Khan and Wado Ryu and that kind of thing and then I I found kind of sport kickboxing and, and stuff and my uh, wow. thai, thai boxing when I was kind of 15 or uh, 16 kind of age and then then that really consumed my life from then onwards I just loved it I was training seven days a week twice a day sometimes I was literally living in the gym so then you know to move on and be able to to use that in my future career was you know it all just fell into place when I when I met these guys in London and 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 started doing the movie stuff and I was like yeah this is this is really what I wanted to do definitely helps with coordination and stuff it's still um, to get onto the British stunt register it's still a very important thing to have is a uh, a a martial arts skill and and it's got to be quite a substantial kind of qualification in that you know it has to be up to the level of kind of brown belt black belt do you have to
1: audition to kind of prove you have the the qualifications that they need
0: um, no it when I first got onto the the registry, it was slightly different um, and you have to have six different qualifications in in various uh, different Kind of sporting disciplines, and it used to have to be that that you would go to the almost the the sports governing body, and it would be a recognised body. And so, when you achieved a certain um, level with that governing body, then you got a certificate and everything. And then you would present all of that to the the stunt register. Then they started doing it where you had to do that, but then also you had to submit a video application. So you had to have video of you performing all your different disciplines and everything. And uh, I think that's still the the way the way that it is now. I'm not hundred percent sure of the of the current kind of thing, but n- there's no kind of audition thing, although a lot of the qualifications now are more in house so there's guys that are part of the b s r or the committee or appointed by the committee that actually go out and test things like high diving i believe is a is a test there's a specific stunt test, so the guys will train and when they can do all these moves, then the assessor will attend the the pool and, uh, and watch them do all their stuff and then ensure that they've reached reach the, uh, required standard, you know? Wow. So you mentioned there is like six things. What, are, what are the six things that a stunt um, performer would be required? They have to be across various different kind of areas of work. They can't all be in fighting. It can't just be like, you know, sword fencing plus martial arts, plus boxing, plus judo. They have to be across several different, um, areas so when when i did the qualifications i used martial arts fencing swimming gymnastics trampoline and motorcycle racing okay Uh, and and that's kind of typical people would do a lot of guys these days coming from a gymnastic kind of background and so then it's that they might choose you know gymnastics and also high diving which you know is also about aerial awareness and sort of body control in the air and everything and then maybe climbing or scuba and uh trampolining and kind of play to your to your strengths to get onto the register and then um then once you've reached the required standard and have been accepted onto the register you can branch out and training more into um into other areas of uh of of work that you really want to specialize in you know
1: okay so we're gonna spend most of our time on some of the other of the qualifications but you mentioned swimming have you done any swimming scenes in a spy movie
0: (laughs) that's a great question Um, (laughs) No, I don't. Th- I I can't think. I've definitely got wet for sure. I remember yeah. uh, we, did the, we we did Casino Royale. I did the sinking house. Yes. I think in 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 Venice and in Pinewood. Um, and that was a huge set. It was it's crazy. I don't know if people realize what kind of went into that. Then in the the double oh seven stage in Pinewood, which was you know the biggest sound stage in the in the country at the time, and they had literally a full a full size house in a full-size tank and this whole thing the whole set would just submerge under the water and all of that was done practically and for and for real and uh yeah a lot went into it and originally that whole sequence was was a much longer and a much more involved kind of fight sequence with you know myself and the other the other guy that was chasing bond Mm -hmm. you know having this big fight with him and then you know people into the water left right and center and crawling back out and all these weapons and stuff involved and people getting blown across the room and um there was a lot of stuff that that ended up in there. didn't it didn't make the final kind of fight sequence but um but we had a lot of fun with that and it was definitely one of the uh more memorable jobs that i did just because it was so unique you know i I hadn't really been involved in anything on that kind of scale before yeah there were three of us in that um in that sequence and uh i actually get smashed in the face by bond he kind of hides behind this wall and oh yeah as i'm sneaking out he and actually there was a a bit of a funny ish story (laughs) about that but when we filmed that the the way we we shot it it was it was very cleverly done actually the camera was behind me so it's following me you know into this abandoned house James Bond's obviously hiding behind the wall and as I'm as I'm walking through with this rifle the camera's following behind my head and he steps out and hits me with a, a big piece of two by four straight straight in the face and I fall down shoot my friend who falls off the anyway that's the the whole thing and so I had like a plastic cover over my face basically which was held in place with two rubber pieces one that was in my mouth and the other one that was on my forehead so it was basically like a perspex screen that I'm holding in front of my face with with my mouth so when he hits me with this breakaway wood that it, it will break and then I'll just take the reaction and it won't actually break my nose, but he has to hit me f- for real. And so um the coordinator said, oh, go down with Daniel and have a rehearsal just so that when we come to shoot this in an hour's time or so that he's confident and knows he can put this thing right across there and it's going to look good and there won't be any hesitation and it's all going to be great. And I was like, okay, cool. So we went down there, we gave him this, this piece of, of two by four, which was like of wood with, and it was kind of scored. So it was going to break the right time. And I said, okay, so whenever you're ready, just swing it straight like a baseball, but, straight straight the way through my my face and I, I put the mask in and he swung this wood and he he missed and hit me straight in the throat oh. <laughs> and I, was, I couldn't even speak i was like and he was he was devastated about this and uh that's and, uh, why you rehearse <laughs> yeah i was like it's fine it's fine and uh and I was like, you know, at least, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen. And that's not so bad, you know, if that happens. And uh, so this was meant to give him confidence for the. Uh, for the uh, <laughs> anyway, that's a good did, story. Yeah, well, we did it in one take. And actually on the take, what happened was as he hit the the mask, it wasn't his fault. It was just the way the way it went. But it, it tipped downwards and cut a big, <laughs> a big slice into my face. And so there was just blood everywhere. So oh. went, and then um and then the same thing he's just like devastated about this and uh you know it's just one of those things it, it was it was just literally one of those things but I, I had for a long time i had my uh james bond scar on my, <laughs> uh, my <chin. laughs> so uh, just one of those things you know it was cool <sighs> Yeah, that's a great story oh my god wild.
1: that is wild i know you best probably for your motorcycle work right so One of what I think is one of the craziest stunts. Now, this is somebody who I'm not a stunt person. So (laughs) I look at something and go, wow, that's nuts. And they go like, oh, that's easy. Right. But I'm talking about the high side crash from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Yeah. This is the big motorcycle chase in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. You're on a motorcycle and you're chasing Ethan Hunt and Ilsa And then you pull you pull out a gun and you shoot while you're driving really fast or it looks like it's really fast yeah and then ethan bumps into you and you crash and then that's the one where the motorcycle goes flying off the cliff
0: and explodes yeah 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 Yeah.
1: so can you talk about that scene and how fast you were going and how hurt you got or whatever
0: that was one of my favourite jobs. Uh, I've, I've got to be honest. I love working with that team. It was a guy called Wade Eastwood who's, who coordinates all the the mission stuff. Days, he's, he's very much into you know pushing the action and making something a little bit different. Myself was chatting with Wade and also with Greg Smurs, who was second unit director, and we said about you know the last bad guy getting taken out and what we could do slightly differently to the regular. Because normally when a motorcycle crashes in a movie, or on, tv or whatever it's generally a low side crash which means that you'll just lock up the rear wheel the bike will go down and the bike and the rider will kind of slide away which is cool and it can look cool because for me motorcycle crashes always have a bit more than than car crashes in them because you tend to get the shape of the the body um doing its uh. thing often the motorcycle will do something or <laughs> something else equally spectacular <laughs> next to you kind of thing but um, we'd been watching the motor GP at the weekend, and one of the riders had had a big high side, and it it was caught perfectly on camera by the the camera guys at the track, and he'd literally got flicked over the bars and did like a full sort of three quarter somersault and landed on his back, and the bike you know was flipping and stuff, and we were like, it'd be great if we could do something like that or something you know give that you know bit of something different to uh, to the the sort of culmination of this chase for a high side wh- when you see it in racing what happens is that the guy will you know give it too much gas out of a corner and basically the rear will start to slide you know the rear will start spinning and and then as soon as he shuts the gas you feel it happen he'll shut the gas and then it will regain grip and throw him over the bar as well the way we had to do it for for this movie was i had to use the rear brake to break the traction rather than rather than using the throttle the, the reason being that i was obviously riding alongside tom um, mm. and i was going to be turning into into the same direction as tom to initiate the the crash and i didn't really think it was a good idea to turn towards <laughs> tom and hit the gas pole <laughs> you didn't front. want
1: to take him out huh
0: <laughs> yeah it could have really ended my career uh for sure yeah. taken tom out with that a much safer uh way to do that is to decel the back the back wheel so i'm decelerating away from tom as we yeah. slide rather than accelerating uh, into him as the bike slides so that's what we did we just decided to lock up the rear wheel get the bike as sideways as possible to the point where it's just going to go down and then let the brake off and let let the suspension just throw you over the top of the bike and uh you make it makes that sound
1: so easy <laughs>
0: Yeah. It, well that that's kind of the way i, I like to approach most stances just to think of it as the mechanics of, of what i'm actually doing and the process of what i'm actually doing there's no point in, in worrying about getting hurt or whatever you, you plan everything so that there's a small chance as possible of getting hurt but then at the end of the day there's stuff that you can't predict sometimes and so you just yeah. have to concentrate 100 on the process and and trust what you're doing once you're away from the bike then it's just like uh any other stunt like a ratchet or an air ram or something where if you were on a wire or you know or getting thrown into the air by a trampoline or any other means you're just about then controlling your body in the air and and kind of minimizing the impact and making it look as spectacular as possible but trying to protect yourself at the same time so um wow. yeah yeah it was a lot of fun and we, we we got away with it pretty much you never get away 100 scot-free i think we were doing um because you asked about speed before i think for that actual crash part of it i think we were doing 85 k's 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 Ks. okay 55 miles an hour somewhere somewhere around 55 Uh, miles an hour. yeah it 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 it, quick enough it it it, you know and for for movies you, you can't really do stuff at super high speeds all the time because you you have to be able to film this stuff you know so many times even with fight sequences or anything you know we get told to slow stuff down sometimes because it doesn't read so well you know if it just goes by in a in a blur of of, yeah. of action you know you know with myself and uh greg smurs we we rode the the corner and the course that it that it goes to and we both agreed that that would be uh you know it would give us a, a good amount of energy and we'd also be able to control it and film this and and predict exactly kind of not exactly, but, yeah. but it, we thought where we thought the bike was going to end up and I was going to end up so they could place cameras and, and that kind of thing. And um, Was it one take? It was one take. Yeah, it was one take. Um, I, I jacked me a little bit on that. It was one of those things where I kind of went over the top of the the bike and I wanted to stay on the tarmac, to be honest. Believe it or not, you're better off staying on the tarmac than going into the dirt because softer surfaces like that when you're sliding or or traveling they tend to grab hold of you and try and stop stuff whereas you'll just slide down the tarmac as long as you don't hit anything you can get away with that uh, most of the time you might just get a little bit of road rash like abrasion or something but if you start hitting something soft it'll grab hold of a a shoulder a knee or something and start twisting you around in, in ways that you weren't expecting yeah, yeah yeah
2: when you're flying through the air like that are you thinking what you have to do or is this all instinct at this point you're just like oh
0: um, uh, it all becomes um instinct it's, t- it's too quick i mean yeah they, um there's a slow motion video uh in the behind the scenes of me coming off of that bike and you can you can see it, and it's like people can say, you know, why didn't you put your hand on like that? Why didn't you twist a little more? When you watch the thing in full speed, the whole thing is over in a second. It's right. like, oh, yeah, and uh, and that's the end of it. So, so I like to plan things beforehand. So I was thinking, as it kicks me off, I'll stretch out as I'm about to hit the road. I'll tuck underneath, and I play that over in my mind. A 100 times before i even get on the motorcycle i know exactly what i'm doing and i'll i'll literally be rehearsing it with my eyes closed and picturing exactly what i'm gonna do and then um, then hopefully that's that's the way it goes on the day and uh like you say experience and instinct just just takes over really so you mentioned that
2: the, you're going about 55 miles per mm-hmm. hour which is pretty darn fast to be falling off of something uh mm-hmm but are is this a general theme in in movies when there's a chase scene and so on they're filming it really at a slower speed than we think watching the movies
0: uh, it looks no, fast we, we did some high speed stuff on there as well just that that the, the crash was was that kind of um speed just because of the location and and everything oh. and we had a certain amount of of real estate to play with there but when we did the highway stuff um some of the the, the fly flypasts where there was one shot where a camera was starting up on the bridge and it saw the the bikes kind of coming and then it, it was dropping down and we all whizzed past it i think there's three of us left by that stage i think yes. it was just me ilsa and ethan uh uh left at that stage and uh and I think we were doing about 130 miles an hour um, as we went past oh. that camera. And it's certainly the quickest kind of vehicle chase, uh, vehicle speed stuff that I've ever been involved with in, in a movie. Because like I say, the, the big problem you have is whatever the hero vehicles are doing, then there has to be something with you that can do the same speed that's, that's capturing the action, you know. And so... Yeah. Um, so we had Wade Eastwood, the stunt coordinator, driving a an M3 with a camera mounted on the front, like a BMW M3, you know. Oh my god! With horsepower in that thing, and he was like right on the back of us and chasing us through, and all those shots I thought looked pretty dynamic. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 it's a funny thing, you know. If you if you film everything everything right, as long as it's got enough speed. Then you can make the whole thing look really dynamic and really energetic. But we had probably through the um, through the traffic and stuff when we were doing all that we, those weave sequences. I would say we were probably touching eighty miles an hour through there as well. You know, with sufficient gaps wow. for um, you know for safety. In wow. There. It, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I've got to be honest.
1: We've used a couple t- technical terms here, if you will, high side and low side crashes. Oh. You've also used the word practical. So the high side crash was you going over the bars. Tom Cruise's crash or Ethan Hunt's crash was a low side crash where he goes sliding and then when we use the word practical we're talking about you're physically doing it it's not digitally enhanced
0: yeah exactly it's not a it's not a, a a CG yeah kind of thing a CG takeover like you say there's a lot a lot of um enhancement with with stuff now these days or there'll be digital takeovers especially in things like superhero movies and stuff you might sometimes find that even as a stunt double, sometimes they d- they don't want you to fly on piano wires anymore. Like they used to in the old su- Superman movies or whatever. So there'll be a lot of green screen performing, you know, where you're performing in front of a, a keyed out background. Mm-hmm then it's composited uh later on in post. I, I like doing practical stunts. I like doing the stunt for real and what yeah. you see in the camera is what ends up on the screen. I mean sometimes yeah. you can add in elements there, you know, sometimes if we're weaving through traffic and they want to make it super tight, or there's one part where it didn't look like there was enough vehicles, they can put another vehicle in there digitally afterwards and, and uh-huh. make it closer, closer than it was, but but generally all the action, certainly in something like Mission Impossible, tends to be as as practical as possible.
1: I think I saw a clip of you for the on, on Batman the, the Flash where yeah. you're driving that bike with the two wheels up front where you were doing practical but then I also saw there was some green screen stuff that was done. Right. So it's a mix and match that happens yeah.
0: sometimes. Okay. Yeah, and and that's what happens uh, most of the time is there'll be elements of of both. I say we, we can't do everything for real, but I think audiences don't don't necessarily want to watch a cartoon either. So it's nice right. to know that is um you know some some reality to that and um i'm not sure in in these days where it's it's so so easy just to say oh we'll just cg that or we'll just add that in in post or whatever then i think um audiences almost expect that now and I almost like to show people, look, we did this for, for real. This was, uh, this was critical, yeah. you know, and uh because otherwise people see something and especially if it's something that they then say is impressive or oh, this was cool, it must be CG, you know, because people just are aware that that's, that that's the way it's kind of gone in the past few years. But I felt sure. like Bond went down that route towards the end of the, uh, kind yeah, of era. yeah. And um, and I don't know, for me, it kind of lost a little something when it, it became a, a bit more fantastical and everything was a bit more CG'd. And I think audiences could kind of tell. And then yes. the Daniel Craig um, Casino Royale gave it a little bit of a reboot, in not only t- in terms of having a new Bond, but also um, it went back to real stunts and big kind of stunts on an epic scale, you know, with the crane jump and the Aston yeah. Martin crash. and. And there was some really, really cool, cool parts in there that was all done as practically as possible, and I think the audience really uh, appreciated it, and, um, and and we're happy to see that. Yeah,
2: Greg, you mentioned that you go, you went over for the motorcycle crash in Mission Impossible. You went over it a hundred times in your head before you yeah. you did it. Do you actually perform the stunt? Uh, also, many times before you actually do the stunts, you're not falling off the bike a hundred times or whatever. I
0: thought you're going to say on the on the day if I uh, if I keep messing it up, then I I have to do it again. Um, no, uh, something like that. No, we wouldn't rehearse at all, Gemma. Wow. It, it depends what it is. Um, there's too much of a risk factor, and also it's too inconsistent. You know that. Um, we we did some of some of the other um crashes on there. We did rehearse. I remember the one where. Tom drives the car into the back of the motorcycle. And the um, I think it's the first guy that gets taken out. Tom drives the car into the back of his motorcycle and he goes up and over the car. And we rehearsed that a bunch of times. I rehearsed that probably seven or eight times. Okay. That was done with the, the, the assistance of a wire. Again, it was done for real. was really riding a motorcycle really get hit with a car really tom cruise driving the car um, because they wanted to shoot over shoulder and look through the windscreen and so it was tom actually driving the car and then um we had a wire just for safety really to make sure that we didn't go underneath the car anything as the motorcycle gets hit by the car then there was just a short kind of two foot pop that would make sure we got onto the bonnet and just over the windscreen. Yeah. So something like that, you would test the rig and you would test that everything's going to work okay on the day, but, um, anything like, um, crashes and stuff, um, you just have to predict, um, what's going to happen and where the vehicles are going to end up and the bodies are going to end up just from past experience because, um that you know, that there's not a lot to be gained from risking somebody um before the actual day, you know?
1: So the results of the crash are like real kind of feel. You mm. kind of feel your way through. Unlike there's that motorcycle jump that in No Time to Die where they do the jump up that big ramp you saw it on yeah. all the trailers and everything. And that, yeah. that's a bunch of maths done to make sure that uh bikes moving at the exact same speed. For what you're talking about here, you don't have to do any of that. It's more okay if we go this speed, I know this is about what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, like I said, I worked on no time to die and I was, uh, I was there with, with Paul Edmondson who was the guy that did that, um, did that jump. He's a, gr- a great rider, Paul, a really good friend of mine. He's a four times, uh, enduro world champion. He's, he's a, a, a very, a very qualified guy. And, uh, yeah and it was one of those things where with that they could they could build it up they had kind of a safety deck in there at first it still would have made a mess if he'd have, if he'd have got it wrong um and then <laughs> kind of strip back um once you once you become confident and consistent then you kind of strip back the, the layers of safety from there uh and it's a different way to work it's not one of those things where you would just turn up on the day put a ramp up, say yeah that looks about about right let's uh let's go for it it's it's it it's you know it, it works in a slightly different way than that than when you're doing the the crashing stuff, really.
2: Yeah, you mentioned confidence there, so I was going to ask how, how obviously physically you've got to be in shape to be able to do these things, but how how much of this is mental as well in terms of preparation and just your abilities to do these things? The physical is obvious, but how about the mental yeah. part? <laughs>
0: yeah the, well it all comes from for me that the mental um confidence comes from the the physical stuff and from me knowing that um i've rehearsed as much as i could have there's nothing more i could have done physically to prepare for for what i'm going to do so i've given myself the best chance possible I'd, I'd i'd always hate to turn upon a job and think that if i did this a bit more in yeah the past, trained a bit harder work going out a few more times on the bike rehearsed a few more times I, w- I would hate to have those kind of regrets that i didn't do as good a job as possible so i just try and make sure that i'm as prepared um physically as i can be and then um from there i can kind of mentally be confident that sure. everything's going to go the way i've expected because the preparation's all been there yeah that makes a lot of
2: sense yeah that's great great clarification there because it is you always look for that balance and, and yeah. it's driving it out of the physicality that's good hey rick you you've done a lot of different movie genres and of course here at cracking the code to spy movies we're focusing on spy movies and so on and you've done things for everyone we talked about a lot of the movies are there any tidbits or insights from your work on born ultimatum or 355 or red sparrow or any any interesting stories there that you want to share
0: yeah the the Bourne was uh was cool I did a couple of Bourne movies the first one w- was kind of funny I think it was uh Bourne Ultimatum was the the first one, one that we did and we were in I think it was Waterloo station it's one of the London train stations and there's a whole sequence in there where Bourne's getting tailed uh, as usual and uh I think he goes to meet some dude uh, if it's a, a journalist guy or whatever yeah, I do Simon,
1: Simon uh, Ross I think it was
0: You've probably seen this movie um uh, much more recently than I have. Um <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. talk about it. <laughs> oh might as well be 10 years, I think, since I've seen that movie. But um but what happens is all these um agents come into the station at different points and they're all kind of talking to each other and these comms and everything, and it's all stunt guys. And so when we watched the movies about we like, ah, there's so-and-so and so-and-so. And so there's like 10 different stunt guys that are all playing the parts of these agents. And so when you watch that, you're like, oh man, something's going to kick off in a minute. There's definitely going to be some big action sequence. Cause all these guys are definitely dying. You know, they never survive <laughs> in any movie. Yeah. And, uh, and then what happened was I think the script changed or something changed. And, and, um, and they all just go away. And it's kind of a, a bit of an anticlimax. So myself and uh, I think I'm with a guy called Buster Reeves, who uh, he was actually the the Batman double for the Nolan movies. Cool. OK. originally, And me and him are in the we're, we're good friends. And we were in the um, in the station together and we're like doing our spy faces, watching Bourne and keeping Surveillance on him and then um, and then we get this message in our earpieces to back off and we kind of turn around and leave again. And that was <laughs> it. Was, we did other parts on the movie, but it wasn't
1: one. wasn't high stunt action there.
0: Huh? <laughs> no, it, it, it was supposed to be. And uh, I think we did actually shoot some stuff. But again, doesn't always make the cut, doesn't always fit with the story. And uh, and it can be kind of disappointing. But uh, I had a lot more to do uh, on the other one on the Jason it was just called jason Bourne. jason Bourne, yeah yeah um i doubled um the asset on that yeah. on that movie and so i was on there pretty much the whole way through and uh it was a lot of fun to to see the whole process because it was uh paul greengrass again that did the um the directing on that movie who'd done you know the previous kind of successful Bourne movies and uh yeah it it, it was a lot of fun um and we went to uh we went to Spain and we went to Vegas and um, we did a lot of stuff in London as well. And uh, yeah, I, I I can't complain about it. It was a great time. That was Vincent Cassell was playing the asset and, uh, and he's a great guy. We honestly had, had the best time. He was um yeah, a, lo- a lot of fun and uh and really physical and he, he liked to do everything himself as well. But again, he was aware that there was a time where he can step back and let me, get smashed up a little bit and uh, (laughs) you you take the
1: blows (laughs) I want to switch a little bit I mentioned this briefly before you're a four-time Taurus world stunt award winner which is probably the closest thing to an Academy Award Oscar or BAFTA in the Mm. stunt world and so what are your thoughts about adding a stunt award to the Academy Awards I mean should they have that
0: yeah (laughs) yeah, it, <laughs> it's 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 been a you know under discussion for as long as i can i can remember and i've never really heard an exact uh reason as to why it doesn't exist um for me I, if if there was an academy award for stunts i think it would be for the action design side of things for the stunt coordination and that you know because people sometimes don't realize how much of even the storyline on some action movies is is driven and helped sort of conceived by by the second unit director or the 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 stunt coordinator um because sometimes the script will come and the um and the director will just say you know they fight or a chase ensues or whatever and then that (laughs) those get those gaps are kind of filled in uh in quite a major way by a collaboration between the stunt coordinator or second unit director and and the, the main unit director and um they really become involved in in that creative process and it just seems strange that there are, it's pretty much every other department is recognized at the academy awards and yeah see many any reason why stunt departments is uh are excluded from that i don't think it will ever affect me personally because it's not the side of the business i i want to go into like i say i i i'm not um, using my performing career to to aspire towards becoming a stunt coordinator or a, a second unit director um i like performing that's why i got into the the business and um i love everything about performing still as as much as ever you know and there's nothing that i was doing 20 years ago that i wouldn't that i wouldn't do now and i wouldn't want to do now it'll obviously change in in years to come then the physical stuff has to kind of um you know take a bit more of a backseat I, I do a lot of vehicle stuff and i think you can keep that going for uh a lot of, maybe not the high sides <laughs> you can't get that yeah they, they add up for sure but um but you know car stunts and everything is a, a lot about experience and um and so I think you can keep performing um, at, at a high level for, for much longer. So I don't think it will necessarily affect me personally if the, if there becomes a, a you know, an Academy Award for stunts, but uh, I'd like to see it for sure. I know how much goes into um, it, it, you know, how much these guys that, that are coordinating and second unit directing are putting into these movies. And, uh, and I think it, definitely deserves some recognition.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And I know the S- Screen Actors Guild has awards for st- Stunt Ensemble, and you've yeah. been a winner six out of 10 nominations there. Yeah. Uh,
0: but no, now, I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, y- your Taurus Award wins, because this is really an equivalent of an Oscar kind of in the stunt world, as I understand it.
0: Yeah. And
1: you won one for the work on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation yeah but the one that i loved the title of the most was for the kingsman for kingsman the secret service you won something called hardest hit
2: yeah, that was
0: <laughs> that was mission uh no oh, it was mission, oh, it was mission? Yeah. okay yeah no that was the yeah the other way around so um yeah so for the, for the kingsman we won for the best fight sequence and that okay. was for um
2: yeah. for the church, church? okay fantastic church.
0: We were actually nominated, which, which was cool. We were nominated twice in the same category in the same year. So um, we were nominated for Best Fight for the Church Sequence and also for the Bar um, Fight oh, yeah. in that was the Kingsman movie. Yeah, and I enjoyed both of those. I thought they were both great. But they, unfortunately, only one of those could win. They were up against each other. Um yeah couple of other movies um but yeah there, there is a category called hardest hit in the um in the stunt awards and <laughs> yeah um and that was for the the high side on mission okay yeah one that and i I, w- I was really surprised um to actually uh, win that because i wasn't aware that from the movie people could tell what actually went into that you know um i, I i'm not sure that it it, I don't know that it reads as, as much uh, in the movie as how kind of on the edge it was uh, compared to in, in real life. If that, if that makes sense, I'm not sure if it translates the kind of danger and, and it, everything. it did
1: not look safe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we won hardest hit for, for mission. And, it, and it's one that I'm really proud of for a stunt guy to, to win hardest hit. Yeah. Um, it's wow. uh, yeah. I, I was, I was really pleased um, with that because um I always want to do the jobs that I think no one else would want to do. I, I hate <laughs> it. They're on set and other people, you know, I have 20 or 30 other people there and I'm thinking that they're thinking that they could do my job easily or they'd want to switch places with me. Whereas some of the stuff you do, I like to do the stuff where nobody would want to switch places with you. <laughs> like, you, know, you can keep that. And I, I like doing that stuff. It, I like, I like to challenge myself. For sure. All
1: right. So another challenge, you won another one of these Taurus awards. For now, this isn't a spy movie, but the hallway fight scene in Inception. Yes. And how did you guys do that?
0: Um, that was a really great movie to work on. That was um obviously a Chris Nolan movie, and that was back mm-hmm. in I think, 2009. We shot that, and it was actually shot at Cardington. A lot of it. Um, Cardington is where we did the 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 three nolan batman movies as well it literally had gotham city built inside it got cardington uh, it consists basically two big airship hangars. it's these massive buildings where they used to construct airships so they're like a couple of hundred feet tall inside there so they could literally construct sort of skyscrapers indoors inside the thing and we um so the set that we had for the hallway fight sequence was actually modeled on a, a hotel hallway and then um, I I was involved in mainly doing the zero gravity uh, part of that fight sequence. So there was kind of two elements to that, that whole sequence. One of them was like the rotating corridor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's where the fight's going on, on the ceiling, the roof. The At
1: the same know. time, the van's flipping.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's when the van's rolling and stuff, then the whole world is kind of rolling with it. And this fight's taking place. And then the uh, the other one, which I was uh, involved in, was myself fighting Joseph Gordon-Levitt. In, and it's when the van's gone off the edge of the mm-hmm. bridge. And so it's in kind of a free fall kind of thing. And so that's when it comes into the zero gravity world. And the way they actually did it, we, we looked at all different um, ways that we could possibly film a zero gravity fight sequence. And they talked about the the Vomit Comet, you know mm-hmm. that they was yep. uh, apollo was it apollo 13 they they used the uh this um vomit comet that basically flies like a parabolic flight path that then gives mm-hmm. you a minute or a minute and a half or something of uh of this zero gravity um tech but then in the end we they they found a way to do it with with wires um and it i think it just gave them a lot more shooting options and they could use bigger sets and everything and um but it, it was actually pretty clever the way they did it's normally what gives away the fact that people are on wires when they're trying to do floating is just any kind of unnatural movement you know if you're floating then you should be going one direction until you get acted on by another force and sometimes if you touch the wire or anything and mm. if you swing or anything like that the, the game's all up and so the way to kind of trick um the the mind into not perceiving these small errors was that they they decided that instead of hanging the performers this way on on the wires then we would turn the whole set um up on its end so Mm -hmm. yeah so any any swing was not in the plane your mind would be expecting it it's kind of hard to yeah (laughs) but But basically
1: you're kind of hanging there
0: yeah, so anytime when I'm coming toward when I'm floating towards the camera, mm-hmm. I'm actually upside down, probably about 80 feet up in the air, looking down at the camera that's always wow. on the ground. Um, wow. And then when we shot the reverse and you're looking at Joseph that way, and then it's me at the bottom and it's him at the mm-hmm. top. And then we shot the whole fight sequence with the two of us kind of floating towards each other and around each other, um, always in that kind of up and down plane so we could keep the wires going that way and any swing would just be slight left and right move, movements rather than um than what you would or normally expect when someone's on wires that's a really complicated way of saying that we just turned the set on its end and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just changed the uh, the dynamics of how the wires were working but it was it was very cleverly done i thought
1: yeah that's a very cool scene I really yeah, yeah yeah are there any stunts you've turned down and why <laughs>
0: yeah um no i i I don't think so i mean um to be honest it it, it's one of those things where you always try and find the best person for the job so um i would only turn something down if i thought i wasn't capable and if there was somebody that was way more suited to um to you know to sometimes you'll when when you're on a a production then uh, they might say, you know, we have this coming up. Do you want to do this? And I might say, well, the other double uh, is a better gymnast than I am, or whatever. So it's probably no. more sure him. It, it's more a question of just um just trying to work out how we can get the job done uh, as safely and effectively, and um, and and who will give the best performance and, and you get the most out of. Really,
1: it's not really a competition type of thing. So like uh, you know, like you you <laughs> and, you and Bobby Holland Hinton right you've I mean, both, you've been in stuff together
0: and, yeah
1: and you know what how do you I mean, there's got to be competition there right
0: um I guess so I mean uh, yeah uh, yeah Bobby's a great guy we're we're, we're really good friends actually uh, myself and Mo and it's the same <laughs> with most of the guys there's definitely always a, um, a you know a, a friendly kind of uh, rivalry but it, it's um, it, I, I always want every performer to do well we want the whole industry to be as good as it possibly can be Um, and yeah i would never want um you know my my success or anything i did well to to have come about because somebody else's failure or somebody else not doing a, a good job i want everyone i want the whole team to be kind of respected and and everything in uh in every job and um yeah, no, Bobby's a great guy and he he's super talented. He's he's more of a physical performer. His background is in uh gymnastics and stuff, and he, he carved himself a really good niche in in that kind of world and got involved with uh Dublin Chris Hemsworth and and, and various others and um and he's really uh he's really put a lot of time and effort into his fighting skills and stuff that's not his background but he worked on it so hard that now he, he you know he i think he looks he looks great as a as a fighter and a martial artist and he's really expanded um you know his skills and um and what he gets known for and um and you know and it's good and uh no i, I don't feel like we're in the we're in yeah, so it's a friendly competition it's yeah, yeah. yeah i think so you guys um, are all buddies yeah, yeah. That's nice. Know. That's great. It tends I mean, to happen.
2: We, well, they asked you one more question really about how you, how the industry works in terms of you guys getting paid. I know when we look back at the like the the ski the big ski jump and the Spy who loved me Rick Sylvester did it in 1976 he did it for $30,000 which would be you know like 160,000 today or 131,000 <laughs> pounds. I mean, do you guys get paid like piecemeal work like that, where here's your stunt, we're oh. paying you for the
0: stunt, or how do you you do? But it's it's not in that ballpark of confidence. <laughs> it's not it's not even in the same universe as that, to be it honest. Is. Um, yeah, it, it it um yeah, the way it works normally, you're on there's a, there's a set amount that that uh, the that stunt performers earn that's that's put down by the union by equity. So we all work on the same sort of contracts. uh, most of the time and then um yeah any any stunts or anything where you're in danger or it's you know it's a real high skill high pressure uh or high danger kind of job comes with an adjustment you would call it a stunt adjustment so okay. it's an adjustment to your, your wages and it's normally i don't like to to talk about it with with coordinators you know sometimes they'll 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 speak to you before i say i'm about to crash a motorcycle or something i'll say how much do you think this is kind of worth and i I don't want to go let let me do one and and i'll tell you afterwards how much it was worth but um but yeah you have to really put a value on what you what you do and the the problem is that you know most stunt performers love love our job and you really want to do big gags and and big sequences you know you, you can't set a precedent of taking jobs because you want the experience and you want the job you have to value what you do and, and everything you do comes with a cost if i think yeah. about you you know motorcycle even if it was trick riding or anything like that if if i look at the thousands of hours that i've put into developing that and the the hundreds of injuries that i've ended up with getting to a stage where i am then you have to um factor that in to um Absolutely. you know to the to the cost of uh of stunts you know and uh but yeah it it it's a it's a really difficult uh conversation for me i don't like talking about money because it's not why i got into the business but like i say you know right. we've also, you've got a, a finite career as well and you have to make your money in that you know in that time frame and uh it you know uh you don't want to yeah. be sure. forced to to come in and, and take jobs when you you know yeah. when you shouldn't be anywhere you should be enjoying yourself in life yeah, yeah right absolutely right,
1: so, yeah now you just talked about this, you know relationship with stunt coordinators a little bit here yeah and what makes a good stunt coordinator for you as a performer what is it that you want out of that stunt coordinator
0: um i think guys that have had a pretty good performing career themselves tend to um be able to empathize a lot more with the with the performer, and they remember what it was like to be in that situation. And, and you know, they know what it what it takes. And um you know, if I've got a, a a big stunt coming coming up, I'll be thinking about that for you know for weeks beforehand. You know, I'll be counting it down in my mind, and, tr- and the preparation meant like we said before, pre- mentally m- make sure I done everything physically to get ready for that, and. Um, you know, I, I think anybody who didn't really have an extensive performing career themselves wouldn't really understand uh, hmm. what what comes with um, you know with with um, with these big bigger stunts and everything. So, um, I think I think they've got to be organized as well. You want somebody level headed. Um, I like working with everyone's kind of passionate about what they do, you know, and everyone um, you know can. Uh, can kind of you know get frustrated or or whatever with with situations sometimes but um but I like to work in uh, calm environments wherever possible and you know if problems come up which they inevitably do or mistakes are made which they inevitably are then you just say right how are we going to deal with it and and that's the kind of you know methodical level headed guys that I like to work with who are like I say experienced in the industry and understand um and understand all the various parts of it You you can't expect a a coordinator to be an expert in every single field. You know, everyone's come from different backgrounds, and um, but they need to then employ the right team around them. They do have experts with them, uh, and they have to, you know, listen to the guys that have the the experience that they, you know, which is the whole reason why they've employed them. You know, you employ a guy for for his for what he brings to the team, and so you then have to be open enough to take that on board.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right. right, so, Rick, obviously with
0: stunt performers, you, you've you
2: got to sign NDAs with the organizations, I assume, right? And yep. so how hard is it to, to keep quiet?
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to ask well, something... on at the moment.
1: <laughs> I, that was my follow-up question, but I'll <laughs> let you uh, answer that first.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, to keep quiet. It, yeah, it, it it's... It's impossible in the industry. Everybody knows what everybody's working on and who's doing what and, yeah. and everything, everybody knows that, but outside the industry, I, I, like we said before, I think it's really important anyway, because I don't want to spoil any of these sure. movies for, for anybody. I'd hate people to spoil it for me. And so, uh, you know, I try not to, not to do that. It's also obviously not, not, not professional to do that, right. but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's difficult, especially in the days of social media. Everybody wants to know what you're doing every sure. day. And, you know, I, ca- I can't even put up which studio I'm going to. You know, I can't put a picture of time with studios. And well, hey, because, yeah. because a
1: studio needs a stunt person, they can't know you're going to it that seems interesting
0: it's just pe- people can kind of second guess oh this is getting what cool. they're working on yeah. we know this is working here and we know they have this actor in there and people can just start piecing stuff together so it's better just to say nothing um right. all the time but it is difficult because you know people are genuinely interested in in what you're up to and where they're going to see you next and you know and and what kind of things you've got coming up um so
1: the next question i was going to ask is what are you working yeah. on How you got up? Up? okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: never mind uh, well, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff just starting again because of the uh because of the strikes you know there's a right. bunch of stuff got shut yeah. down because of the strikes we've we've been quite fortunate in the uk that it's been busy um but for you know for quite a few years now we've we've had a lot of movies going on over here um pretty consistently and so um yeah i i, I like to i don't know i like to um I like working when people really need me. Um, if, if there's a show where they need me for the whole run of the movie and they're going to, you know, there's going to be enough stuff on there to, to keep me uh, amused. And that's, that's amazing. But um, I, I don't like working on, on shows where they, um, I don't know. It I, I would hate people just to be em- employing me just to, just to have me there. If they, if they don't really, really need me, I, I, you know i i think we all like to be making the most of our of our time and especially because like say your your performing career is so is so finite you know that that amount of time that you got to perform that i want to fill it with as much stuff as possible so i tend to do sequences on different shows if they need me for this specific sequence i'll go and do that and then Mm. so i've done a couple of different bits uh this year and uh and that's the the way I kind of tend to work, unless something um, something comes along that that not me the whole way through. But um, how about
1: commercials? That's probably less NDA because <laughs> you've done some commercials too. I know.
0: Yeah, I've done I've done a few Com- commercials. Are one of those things? It's kind of difficult. I always thought when I first got into the industry that I'd like to do a mixture of everything. You know, I'd like to do some some films, some TV, some commercials. It just gets harder and harder to mix those. You tend to see that different coordinators end up um specializing in uh in tv more than film and then um because you get known more for doing movies then they maybe won't call you it's because mm-hmm. they'll need guys just on an odd day you know they'll need like one day this week and then in three weeks time they need another two days from you whereas if you're tend to be involved in sequences you know that are going to be six weeks you're on a six-week contract and they know you're not available for the odd day here you know and and so tend to not not be able to mix that well the film and tv stuff but um commercials are always always fun i mean um they pay good money for, for a start because they have to pay for the um you know for the usage fees and stuff and uh and they tend to be you know quite creative you never you ever kind of know what you're going to do and they're always appreciative of everything you do whereas you know the film guys have have seen everything a thousand times <laughs> before, it's, it's taken for granted a little bit more that's that's a massive generalization but um but <laughs> I enjoy everything I've got to be honest I enjoy it you know I have as much fun um if I get called for a day on a tv show and, and turn up and you know you tend to be on tv shows or commercials you tend to be brought in to do something specific so you know you have a you're going to turn up and you have a job to do, whereas sometimes on film, uh, you might not, you, you know, you might not have that much to do in the first couple of days, or you'll have a egg a to do, but it might be today or it might be next week. We'll see when mm-hmm. we get down to it. And it, it's a little bit of a different, um, working environment, that's all. And I enjoy both, and uh, and hopefully, I can continue continue doing both, um, as long as possible.
1: That sounds great, we hope, yeah, as well.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. Hey, this has been a tremendous conversation, Rick. This It's enlightening for us. It's enlightening for our, our listeners as well. We really appreciate it. That's it, fantastic. This has been great. All right, that's a wrap. We want to thank Rick English for joining us today. You are really a legend in the game. We enjoy your work and have enjoyed this conversation immensely. Absolutely. Thanks,
1: Rick. Yeah, thank you, Rick.
0: No, thanks for having me. It's been uh, been fun talking to you. Fun,
2: fun here as well. This has been Dan. And Tom.
0: Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and
2: our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you spending time with us.